0: Five WHMP.
1: And happy Monday. It is November 7th. It is the day before election. We should all be quite excited. Hello, Dan Torres. Hey, Buzz. How goes it? Well. Are you excited? Are you nervous? How are you feeling, Buzz? Yes and yes. I'm excited and I'm nervous. I. It feels, um, you know, it's what? always important. Election day is important, but it feels like there's so much riding in mm. And so today, I'm very excited about what we're about to play. It's a game we're about to play. Oh, I
2: like games. I know.
1: I'm a fan. And the game we're about to play is What If? with Law Professor Extraordinaire and Professor Emeritus from Western New England, Bruce Miller. Hello, Bruce.
3: Hey, Buzz. Hey, Dan. Good to be (laughs) with you guys, as always.
1: And uh, we are going to talk about um, the election. So... Um, I hope that I'm not going to cause myself nightmares tonight, but let's let's do a little what-if. Um, Bruce, when I called you up today, telling you how excited I was that we were going to do some pre-election talk today, you suggested that I take a look at Ezra Klein's opinion column in this morning's uh, New York Times. So I read it. Um, uh-oh, chills coming up and down my spine. Tell us about it.
3: Well, the, the point that I take uh, Ezra Klein to be making in that piece is that is that this is a very unusual midterm election, not because it portends a shift in power, but because of the character of the Republican Party that's about to take power at least uh, he he assumes or fears uh, uh, after tomorrow. And what what makes the Republican Party so different and so, worrisome. And it's now much more than, than Donald Trump. It is, it is a whole outlook on the exercise of political power that Trump represents, but now describes a, a lot of folks. We're, we're accustomed to using politics in this country to achieve concrete goals. Sometimes they're pretty ambitious goals having to do with justice, And and shifts in power, advances in democracy, visions of the world. The Republican Party today, at least the Trumpian version of it, and if they win, they're going to owe the victory to that wing of the party. I think Uh, that's they've all been been running as Trumpians. They see power very differently. Uh, political power is, uh, does two things for them that it doesn't really do for other people. One is power. Sheer exercise of raw power is how truth is defined. Truth is not an inquiry. Uh, it is not a, an effort to find what's right or just or factually accurate. I think I knew
1: a, bu- a bully in grade school who thought there, that way. This,
3: uh, that's right. It's, it's, it's who has the ability to define it. Um, and, and the second thing is that, is that the point of exercising power is to annihilate your opponents in order to perpetuate your own control. Um, I think a good what-if is, is if these are the outlooks, if this, these two points c- comprise the outlook of the Republican Party, what can we expect to see happen if they do indeed prevail tomorrow, as many people expect that they will. And Ezra
1: Klein portrays some of that for us, but before we go uh, any deeper into that, really, I'm so glad you flagged it for me, that opinion column. Uh, Dan, um, Yes. uh, how would you segue into this conversation? What if? What was your what if about tomorrow?
2: What if X happens? How will we react? Well, I I don't know what my what if is. I I don't want to speculate yet. And I think my what if is there's so many different variables working at at the same time in many ways, it's hard to know what will happen. I think a lot of the pollsters right now predict a strong Republican turnout. But how different is that than history, where usually the power that, that wins in a presidential election doesn't do well two years later? So how much can you attribute this to that cycle versus the cycle of a more radical faction emerging within the Republican Party? It's hard to know. Um, and also, the i, I I'm, my what if is more about. It's more about what's, what's happening with the economy. Because I think a large part of this is coming down to how the electorate and voters will feel, how much they want to blame the Democrats for the current situation. And I think the Democrats should have been more forceful in articulating that in the last two years, look how much we've done for you. Just regarding the economy and vaccines and reopening the economy again. I think it's many ways a failure of how they could articulate that message because people forget after the election in 2020 we still didn't have vaccination rates very high businesses were yes they were reopening it was only in certain parts of the economy in certain sections and i think they weren't able to articulate that so i don't like what ifs because it's it's hard to know what's going to happen again all of us here might have thought that kansas was going to vote vote to Change their state constitution to allow. Row, them. Row, that, row, row, row your vote. And that that shock. You know, I'll tell you this much: that did shock me. So I'm curious how much of that will extend out to other places, or is Kansas the exception to the rule, and we can see that uh, happening?
1: So, yeah, of course, uh, Representative Michael Cloud is already promising that if the Republicans take the House, that he's going to introduce a bill to deter vaccinations. But let me tell you. There's so many um, what-ifs that have been bouncing around inside my skull. But this is one that's really scary. We regularly, Bruce Miller, have on this show, we have representative you know, Paul Marks soon to be senator and Senator Adam Hines and Joe Comfort and and we have the mayors of this region. We have these people. And to a person, I always just am so grateful that we have these local people just trying to, to make our lives better here. My what if is, if the Republicans really get power if they take over Congress. And I mean, it's true, Biden will be overriding a whole bunch of stuff, but nothing will be passed to enable these wonderful people in this very blue state, at this very local and regional level, to do the good work, which I know personally, I talk to them, they all aspire to do. It's really scary.
3: Well, I think, I think you're right, Buzz. Um, you know, I, I'm, I am willing to, 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 to stake out a couple of what-ifs at least as thought experiments along those lines. If the Republicans take Congress and if, if I'm right that their goal will be to define what the truth is and to annihilate their opponents, there are, I think, some specific things that we can expect. Uh, one of those is that the myth of the of the stolen election will be hammered over the next two years. Um, that that is what the the base wants. The base will believe that they have delivered this victory, and we will see both at the at, among among federal legislators and and especially at the state level. Uh, we will see state and local electors. Propagating that idea of the stolen election, and more importantly, consolidating changes in election laws and how elections are run that assure that that uh, stolen election that they think happened doesn't happen again. I think and I what read that it means right now. Is there's guaranteeing fourteen
1: secretaries of state. That's right. Who are who are deni- election deniers?
3: More fundamentally, um, I think but- we're. Now go ahead. ahead. Now well, well, we're we're, we're going to see an, a, a, a need to to take take revenge on the Democratic Party uh, and to do do their best to annihilate them. And how do you do that? Well, I think you go after Merrick Garland um, and you go after him by investigating him for uh, uh, the Mar-a-Lago uh, search warrant um, and and perhaps uh, impeaching him. Uh, tie tie him uh, in knots. Uh, I think Trump announces his candidacy very shortly after the election. That makes it almost impossible for the Justice Department to indict uh, a, 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 a candidate for for president. A special counsel will have to be appointed. Um, all, all the investigation will perhaps be uh, derailed, but for sure it will be politicized. Mm. Um, so those are those are two things. Now, I don't mean to necessarily predict these things. But these will be a test, it seems to me, of of whether, uh, as Dan was wondering before, this version of the Republican Party really is as different as they seem. If they are, these are the things we'll see that happen. On
1: this day before the election, we're playing What If with Professor Bruce Miller and with Dan Torres. Dan. I I, I wanted to
2: uh, go back to something that the professor said here. And I wanted to think about well who's ultimately responsible for these state legislature uh, for these uh, secretaries of state to getting elected i mean part of this is it comes down to public uh, information that people that voters are getting and they're ultimately voting is we can't manage how certain voters are going to vote. Because I, what I hear in this conversation is a feud also happening within the Republican Party. You know, usually we think Republican versus Democrat. I think a big determination here will be within the Republican Party. Do the elites have enough power to mitigate this insurgency that they now, I think, are starting to come and realize is a danger to their control over the Republican Party. I think that's really agenda. a good
1: insight, Dan, and I remember I was a journalism major when I started in, in Temple in Philadelphia, and and um, I remember one assignment was, the question was, how did Joe McCarthy get traction? And there were two schools within the Republican Party, and he managed to quiet one of them for a couple of few years Is sort of communist fear. And it wasn't in, until, have you, have you no know, conscious sir, or whatever that was, that the worms started to turn only when the media became more active. But we never had the internet back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bruce, does the internet make a difference?
3: Oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. It, it, it means uh, that, that I think it's much more easy, much easier to organize around things like the big lie. Mm. It's much easier to propagate it, to focus people who really care uh, about electing the proper secretary of state. Most voters are not going to pay any attention. They may just vote a straight Republican ticket because they're mad about inflation. And included is going to be that secretary of state who's been hyped on the Internet.
2: And and maybe mentioning Georgia. Georgia is interesting for me, not just for the Senate race, but for the governor's race. Because if you believe the polls right now... The current Republican governor will win, and rather, rather comfortably by five points. By five points, five or six points. Let's just if you believe the if you believe the polls. That's if right. But there is an interesting voter that seems to be going to vote for the Republican governor, but will not vote for the Republican senator. No, or or the Secretary of State, or the Republican Senate uh, race. That they might actually vote for the Democrat but the Republican in Georgia. So will those voters come out and do they also play a role in mitigating this? You know, it's very surprising, Buzz, you and I have had a conversation about Liz Cheney out of all individuals. And I don't remember any high profile Republicans ever deciding to support at least two Democrats that I've heard of, the two most moderate Democrats may be running, a Tim Ryan running for Senate in Ohio, but uh, Slotkin, I think, is the name Slotkin, running yeah. for, for a representative in Michigan in Michigan..: in in Michigan. In Michigan yeah. yeah, So it's interesting to see that feud. So there is a feud between Democrats and Republicans and then we're sticking with. But there's also an internal feud happening within Republican Party. And really, I think, instead of us just looking at it and saying, "Oh, look, the Republicans going to win tomorrow, it is, well, which Republicans?" What do they espouse? What are they fighting for? Are they fighting within to at least control and mitigate maybe the more radical elements? It's a really great so point, I, and I so, want to follow so, okay, up, so. but
1: just There is one other depth we can go yeah. to. We can remind people that the way Brian Kemp became governor mm-hmm. is by um, defranchising 750,000 registered voters because you know, tiny little things like they, they uh, uh, misspelled the name of the street that they lived on because some of them were illiterate, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And um, those people, they've tried really hard. Stacey Abrams has tried to get them all registered, but you can only do so much, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. But
3: Kemp, the, Kemp is, a, is an outlier in, in, in a sense, too, uh, in, in, because he's, he's someone who is, has publicly declined to embrace the big lie. Yes. And and that's what I think puts and, him in a better uh and it a position. It didn't
2: it didn't cost him in it, the primary and it looks him. like it didn't cost him in the governor's yeah. race and and yeah. we'll but
1: we'll see. But at the same time there is By the way, the first time that yeah. he said he he trusted the results of the election was because somebody said how do you know you were elected if there was a right. big lie in the ballot? In the of the of the ballot yeah, in their own interest, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: that's a, another right. good point, right? But I mean, that's what you were uh, saying, professor, I think was also interesting is it seems like the Republicans are out to beget power and their mentality is either we win or it was stolen from us. And that's, that's a right. dangerous that's, that's a right. dangerous thinking to have yeah. because Ultimately, if the Democrats don't have a good night, do the Democratic uh, activism start saying, hey, let's have that similar attitude. Either we win or it's fraud all the way. That's not good for the...
1: So we are going to take a break. We're playing What If. Uh, Bruce Miller is here. He doesn't know Halloween is over, so he's still trying to scare us. We're going to be back with Professor Bruce Miller and Dan Torres talking about the election tomorrow, right after these messages. Do stay with us.
0: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Power Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMT. Power to the people. Power to the people right on. What can we expect from these state and federal elections? Join Monty and me for our fish wrap, plus a preview of the upcoming Young at Heart Chorus show with two of the chorus's most accomplished vocalists, Helen Boston, who is 92, and a return engagement by Dora Morrow, who is 100. That will be Tuesday at nine o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at nine. And again at five.
4: WHMP News, Information, and the Arts.
0: It happens all over Massachusetts. Time in every home and every community.
5: Can't pull in your bike. Learning can happen
0: anytime, anywhere guys.
6: We'll see you at practice this weekend.
0: And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary University. Education Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov to school
7: sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education.
5: Do you want a front row seat for this year's hot chocolate run for safe passage? Join us as a volunteer on Sunday, December 4th to hand out stickers, serve hot chocolate, help runners along the race route, and much more. The Hot Chocolate Run is about all of us, our community coming together to make Hampshire County safer for survivors of domestic violence, safer for everyone. You can help make this year's event a success. Learn more and sign up today at hotchocolaterun.com volunteer.
8: 586-1000, good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you, until now. Now when you call, we'll answer. And if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Wayland Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it, and if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Wayland Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance.
5: How long and how hard would you work
4: to own your own home? At Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity, future homeowners contribute dozens of hours to build a home for their family, but they need your help. Thousands of community supporters have participated in this work since 1989. They create a partnership with a future
5: homeowner and Habitat to build a home, strengthen our neighborhoods, and create a legacy for our community. Grab a hammer, lend a hand, build a better world. Volunteer and support Pioneer
4: Valley Habitat for Humanity. pvhabitat.org
0: this is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg 101.5
1: WHMP And we are back with Bruce Miller here in studio. We're talking about what-ifs and Bruce, you said something uh, about blackmail. What are you talking about? This is about?
3: another point that, that Klein uh, makes that I think is pretty astute and and it's it, Ezra another, Klein in today's another opinion, another opinion column another yeah. tendency of, of uh, this way of looking at power is is a love of spectacle, and the absence of limits, uh, the the idea of the event of the day, all with constant attention, um, and creating as much chaos as possible in order to seize power out of the chaos. Klein predicts that uh, a Trumpian version of the Republican Party, should they prevail, uh, may hold uh, uh, the debt limit uh, hostage to Biden's willingness to abide by legislation that they're going to pass.
1: Government coming to a
3: halt. Well, uh, the United States uh, defaulting on its uh, bond obligations, something we've never done. There have been threats made by the Republicans in the last few years on this point, but they've never really followed through. Klein predicts that they really might this time. And for example, We will privatize Medicare. Well, Biden would normally veto anything like that, even if the Republicans can get it through the House and the Senate. But then the Republicans say, well, you veto it. But if you if you veto it, we will allow the government to default on on its debt because we will not allow the debt ceiling uh, to be to be raised. Another way of doing it is to shut the government down but the debt ceiling is is even is even bigger and, and you know this is a giant game of chicken trump has already urged that this game of chicken be undertaken he wants to see us default i think mm-hmm. Um,
2: and, and the scary part of what you're saying has already been tried yeah, under yeah. the Obama administration. Yeah, yeah, they tried it. And they tried it then, and yeah. they actually took it to the day of. Yes. So They've done yeah. it several times. They've yes. done it several yes. times, yes. and then Cruz tried to do it, and yeah. he had the government... So, uh, in regards to ACA, that they weren't going to give the, the debt extension without the abolishment of yep. the Affordable P- Care Act.
1: People right. just have to understand the Treasury bonds, those Treasury bills, as we call them, they are... The, many consider them the... Ultimate when you have to fall back on something when everything feels really unsafe They are the safest yeah because the u.s. Will never default on his obligation If you own one of those you go to redeem it It's going to be redeemed like the u.s. Savings bond that you gave your your nephew on his 15th birthday, right? I mean you could just redeem it but 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 if it's unredeemable
3: and and our laws right now require that the our willingness to, to pay those debts be renewed every few years and whenever it comes up this is a possibility so we'll see i mean it's just what's
1: here's what's dastardly bruce miller to me is i suppose i mean you you know where i land on this but i suppose there's a legitimate question the real traditional republican view was less government smaller government and because we believe so much in adam smith's invisible hand and we believe in free enterprise and we conflate Free enterprise with democracy because both involve freedom of a sort that Republicans have historically celebrated, then there's a real debate. Should we enact this thing? Should the government intervene in this way? Should that regulation yes. be passed? Yeah. There's a real debate. Yeah. But they don't have that debate. What they want to do is destroy government's ability to do anything, thereby furthering their ideological passion that there'd be less government?
3: Well, I, I'm not even sure that they care about less government. What they care about, near as I can tell, is holding on to power perpetually. Mm. The kind of ideological debate you're talking gigs, about is very they? traditional. It's the kind of debate that, that we might wish for. Instead, what the current Republican Party, the Trumpian version of it, wants to do is, is lock in their own victories in every election. They, after this one, they'll be doing their best to do that for the next one. Uh, to uh, 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 annihilate their opposition by taking out people like, uh, like Garland, maybe Trump himself, certainly we're going to see ginning up of investigations of Democrats, probably of the January 6th committee. With and their families like Hunter investigation. Biden. investigation, yeah. that, that, that's right. Uh, we'll see an, uh, probably making it impossible for uh, Biden in the last two years to appoint judges. No judges, may, maybe no executive branch appointees uh, either. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got this brinkmanship on the, on, the, on the debt ceiling. None of these are about substantive policy or ideology at all. They are not about using power to advance a vision of what a good society is. They are all about using power to perpetuate and consolidate it in themselves. That's what we're looking at, I, I fear. But this is a what if. This is a thought experiment. Well, I think this is all that, falsifiable. And I'm, ho- I'm hoping that, very much hoping that I'm wrong.
1: Hmm. Ezra uh, Klein in the column today, he talks about the 122 page um, House Republican st- uh, Study Committee's budget and what it does. And he talks about how they land based the Democrats for its COVID um, uh, restrictions and the money that it gave and and, uh, the PPP to help failing businesses and all of that stuff. And it's their vicious tax, but nowhere in those 100 plus pages, uh, Ezra Klein writes, I could find nothing proposing ways to make sure we're better prepared for the next viral event how chilling is that? That did, is, that government will not be prepared for the next pandemic.
2: Y- yeah, and and proposed legislation to stop the government from implementing measures to protect public safety and
1: public health. That, yeah. that I mean, that's not going right there. They scoff at masking, they scoff at vaccination, they scoff at protecting our children. It, it, reminds, to...
2: it reminds me of what uh, Margaret Thatcher once said, right? There is no society. Yes. They've, they've taken this to such a radical end that they say, hey, what if there is no society? You get your own free choice. There's no such thing as public health. They don't believe in a public, so why would they believe in public health? <laughs>
1: Well, I remember when she attacked the Falkland Islands and said, Great Britain is great again. Well, tomorrow we're going to see how great our country is. Bruce Miller, I I always love talking to you. I always learn something. I should pay you tuition. Absolutely.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the best idea I've heard today.
1: We are going to be back, and it is Megan Zinn's uh, wonderful segment, The Writer's Block, and she's with Archer Mayer, the uh, mystery writer from... Brattleboro, Vermont. We're going to be back with Megan and with Archer right after these messages. Stay with us. An exaggeration
3: to point
7: out absurdity, saying and doing things this through a persona This is the afternoon buzz with doing. Buzz you know, Eisenberg, one zero one five W H M P. But I changed my act when I. Now the latest from WHMP, I'm Monty Belmonte, in for Jess Tyler. Traffic was backed up at the intersection of Routes 116 and 47 in Sunderland yesterday afternoon when at approximately 30, two vehicles collided. Between the two vehicles, there were six occupants, two of which were evaluated by EMS for non-life-threatening injuries. Two South County EMS ambulances and an Amherst Fire Department ambulance responded, as well as Sunderland, Deerfield, and Waitley Police. A motor vehicle accident occurred Saturday evening on Northfield Road in Warwick, Warwick Fire Department responded to the scene quickly as dispatchers were able to use the new cell tower in town to find a precise location of the accident. One person was transported to the local hospital by the Orange Fire Department with non-life-threatening injuries. The town of Whateley is accepting proposals for the long-term lease and redevelopment of the former Whateley Center School property. The Center School Visioning Committee recommended a long-term lease to a private entity after examining the town's option of demolition, selling privately, or long-term leasing back in 2020. The town, as the property owner, would be responsible for maintenance costs. The building is listed on the state register of historic places and is zoned as agricultural residential. Sealed proposals will be accepted until January 30, 2023. Many area police departments have been experiencing an increase of scams and officials are warning the public to not click on the bait. Scammers are posing as official department social media profiles and attempting to sell clothing items with department patches. On Friday, the Burniston Police Department, Northwestern District Attorney's Office, and the Burniston Senior Center joined at Franklin First Credit Union to collaborate on a workshop about avoiding financial exploitation scams that often target senior citizens.
2: For tonight, mostly clear, it'll be colder, overnight lows 36 to 40. For Tuesday, mostly sunny, much cooler, high temperatures 52 to 56. And the outlook for Wednesday, mostly sunny and cool, highs in the lower 50s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP.
5: The early bird gets the turkey and 10 bucks. Go to the River Valley Co-op website and order your turkey. When you pick it up, you'll get a coupon for $10 off your next $50 purchase. River Valley Co-op, local turkeys from Stonewood Farm, Misty Knoll, and Diamond Farm. Organic turkeys and kosher turkeys, too. Order by November 13th. When you pick up, get $10 off your next $50 purchase. A delicious bargain. River Valley Co-op in Northampton and Eastampton. Wild about local and turkey. Oh,
4: If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100 percent of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. If you are into free, you'll love Greenfield Savings Bank's Free Checking. Of course, there are no monthly fees and no fees for check or deposit transactions, but that's just the beginning. With GSB Free Checking, you get free online banking, free e-statements, and free GSB Mobile App, which lets you bank from anywhere anytime, including depositing checks from your mobile device. Plus, GSB Online Banking and the GSB Mobile App come with the free GSB Credit Center, where you can get your credit score and credit report for free and the GSB mobile app also lets you control your GSB debit card remotely from your mobile device, which also comes free with your GSB free checking account. You can also set up alerts and controls for your free GSB debit card. Open your account online or at any of our offices. And did I mention the free welcome gift when you open your account? Switch to free at Greenfield Savings Bank. Greenfield Savings Bank,
0: greenfieldsavings.com. Member FDIC, member DIF. Mobile carrier charges may apply. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP.
1: And it is Monday, um, and it is time for the Writer's Block with Megan in. Hello, Megan.
4: Hi, Buzz. How are you? Oh, I'm all excited Good. about the elections Good.
1: tomorrow, oh, and I'm excited to see who you may have as a guest today.
4: Yeah, well, um, my guest is Archer Mayer, who we have on the line. Uh, welcome, Archer.
6: Oh, thank you for having me on, Megan.
4: Great. Um... I'm, I'm not, okay, there we go. Okay, I'm having a little trouble with my headphones. I'm going to switch with Buzz. All right. Okay, Archer, sorry about that. No no, that's quite okay. right. Technical um, difficulties. Technical difficulties. Anyway, so um, Archer is the author of the Vermont-based series featuring Detective Joe Gunther, which the Chicago Tribune described as the best police procedurals being written in America. It's high praise. Uh, he is also also a death investigator for Vermont's office of the Chief Medical Examiner. And over the past 30 years he has been a detective for the Wyndham County Sheriff's Office, a uh, volunteer firefighter, an EMT, and he's pub- publisher of his own backlist and frequent contributor to magazines and newspapers. So he is somebody who writes what he knows. Um, welcome, Archer. Um, well, thanks. Um, so your most recent book is Fall Guy, uh, which came out in late September. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
6: Uh, yeah, uh, it's not about a guy who's overly fond of foliage. <laughs> um, it's,
4: it's about
6: a guy who has played for a sucker. before mm-hmm. he oh, was uh, a fall right. guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, it's pretty straight up and narrow uh, in my incredibly complicated and convoluted way, which means it's not straight up and <laughs> narrow. Course. But it begins easily enough. Our, our hero Joe Gunther um, drives over the top of a hill and discovers that he's been summoned to a car in a ditch, mm-hmm. which in itself is beneath his pay grade. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but the dead body in the trunk. Uh, mm-hmm. Cheeks his attention and uh, rationalizes the summons. Uh, so uh, we go downhill from there because he's a Vermont police officer. The car is from New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and uh, right from page one, uh, the plot has already thickened because now we need to figure out how to put a Vermont cop into New Hampshire and get him to catch the bad guys. And there are bad guys aplenty because the. Uh, Rest of the car is filled with stolen stuff, be they computers or cell phones mm-hmm. or jewelry, or. And as we know, we sentimentalists uh, and materialists, stuff is what we're made up. We we collect it. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. It, we buy it. We find ourselves reflected in it. And mm-hmm. therefore, if you find a car full of stuff, they're all biographies, all jumbled up. Oh wow! And. Yeah. This is the kind of way I like to look at Mm -hmm. the world around. Mm -hmm. So it's Joe's job not just to find out who put the guy in the trunk, but he also has to, in order to get to that clarity, he needs to find out if any of the pile of junk in the rest of the Mm -hmm. car has a clue.
4: Yeah. Uh, Is
6: it related to the dead guy? Is it unrelated and also a separate crime? Is Mm -hmm. it not a crime at all?
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So complications uh, ensue. Um, so um, my guest is novelist Archer Mayer. And um, to back up a little bit, what what prompted you to start writing fiction, particularly detective crime fiction?
6: Well, detective crime fiction was stimulated by greed. Um, <laughs> it's when lucrative. I, uh, when I fantasized, well, actually... It was a little bit of revenge. The very first detective fiction I ever wrote, which was an exercise in typing, a perfectly horrible book, Mm -hmm. uh, featured my boss. uh, Uh And I just wanted to write a chapter where he was the dead guy at the beginning.
4: (laughs) The power Um, of the novelist. There you go. So
6: after uh, I did that and I quit my job and I've been unemployed since 1978. Congratulations. uh, Thank you very much. I highly recommend it, by the way. (laughs) um no i ran out of bosses to kill but i found all sorts of uh assorted others that qualified <laughs> uh, even though i went to a beautiful bucolic and placid state like vermont in 1980 um, but it turns out we are a nefarious species no matter where we live and so vermont actually uh suited my fancy
4: uh, mm-hmm. in,
6: in particular now the reason for fiction over, uh, I began as a historian, mm-hmm. over right. fat uh, was because uh, you can have more fun with it. I was yep. so frustrated as a historian, I would write about these guys and literally ask them as I was researching what they did. <laughs> i go, oh, oh my God, you had this opportunity. You could have blown that up and, and you know covered your tracks. But no, they just plodded along yeah, and they exactly. got caught or they didn't get caught or whatever. And I thought I'd have much more fun if I keep the research. Yep do all the homework but lie about the end result (laughs) so that's what i do basically i wander around and i poke my nose Mm -hmm. where it doesn't belong Mm -hmm. of course all my jobs allow me to do that yeah and uh and then if i find something intriguing i can you know, chase that ball and develop it into something make-believe.
4: All right. Yeah. Um, And this question brings up, um, you, you've written a book that takes place in Northampton. Um, It's reaching back a little in your catalog, but since we're in Northampton, I want to ask a little bit about it. And I do have to say, after reading it, I'm, you know, I look at Northampton a little differently. It's just like a stark reminder that there's a lot going on under the radar that most of us never think about. Um,
6: that's indeed one of my goals, so I'm delighted <laughs> it affected you that way.
4: <laughs> yes, it did. Um, so um, so I understand when you were working on Paradise City, you did some ride-alongs with Russ Sienkwitz, uh, Northampton's police chief at the time. And were those ride-alongs um, to kind of basically fill in a story that you had already developed with um, the details and the accuracy, or did that or did the story develop as you were doing ride-alongs with him?
6: Much more the the latter. Okay. Uh, and to be specific, while I interviewed and spent time with Russ, I didn't do ride-alongs with him. I did ride-alongs with his guys. Oh, well, that makes a lot
4: more sense, actually. <laughs>
6: Yeah, you the taxpayers of uh, Northampton would like to know that Russ was doing something <laughs> other than cruising around the city with a novelist. <laughs> Good point. Oh, so, you know, he sicked me on a uh, several of his, or at least one or two of his guys, and I spent very many happy hours doing that. Being a an ex cop myself, right. I, I yeah. was used to all that. And in fact, we actually stumbled upon uh, a dead guy, and oh. since I'm a death investigator, the patrol officer turned to me and said, "Well." Hal, you know a lot more about this than I do. You want to start to. So I kind of trespassed a little bit and got the ball rolling and helped them out uh, a little bit, uh, which uh, I suppose was bending the rules ever so slightly. But we didn't get too far deep into it. So it was all OK. Yeah.
4: Uh, so what made, what made Northampton a good place to set a Joe Gunther story?
6: Well, uh, I live very near Brattleboro, mm-hmm, Vermont, mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, to the ire of, uh, of Brattlebourians, for me to say this, is a wannabe Northampton. <laughs> cool. um, so Northampton was always the, the cooler place mm-hmm, to go. if mm-hmm. you Brattleboro, the music was better and the scene was hotter and all this other stuff that I pay little attention to. But uh, the idea of uh, sort of connecting these two anthropologies was uh, irresistible. So it was also a short commute and I'm lazy. (laughs)
4: Uh, (laughs) I love that. Um, So my guest is Archer Mayer and we're going to take a break right now. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes.
0: This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
3: Exhale, plain shrink breath, so correct. Red dogs under illegal legs. She looks so good that he gets down and bit. She is watching the detectives.
5: In the mood for takeout? Want to find yoga classes, music lessons, or art supplies nearby? Save 30% on full-value gift certificates to dozens of local businesses and services from Springfield to Brattleboro and everywhere in between. Whether it's a quick bite for lunch, something nice for a special occasion, or just an excuse for some good old retail therapy. Save 30% on full-value gift certificates at the Shop 30 store at whmp.com.
8: This is Jim McGovern. As one of the last people off the House floor on January 6th, I've seen what big lies and dangerous conspiracies can do. And as political violence intensifies, as election deniers are empowered, white supremacists are emboldened, and after our Capitol building was attacked, I'm asking you to join me in saying enough to demand integrity and truth from our leaders. This is about freedom versus fascism. I'm asking for your vote on November 8th so we can keep our democracy alive. This is Jim McGovern, candidate for Congress, and I approve this message paid for by the Real McGovern Committee.
0: At American National, what's important to you is important to us. Just like every horse is unique, so is our equine coverage. American National's equine owner's insurance is designed to address the inherent risks involved with owning horses. Flexible enough to provide property and liability coverage for operations of various sizes, yet can be tailored for your specific needs. We're right by your side. For more information, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri.
4: I'm Sarah McEwen, the Nursing Director for Emergency and Ambulatory Services at Cooley-Dickinson Hospital. Community hospitals are the cornerstone of health, healing, and well-being for our local community. It's a privilege and a pleasure to take care of our community, of you and the people you love. During this season of thanks, the Cooley Dickinson team is grateful to the community that supports us through your kind words, generous gifts, and legacy plans. Please visit us at CooleyDickinson.org giving.
0: Eat more kale, says the bumper sticker. Why assume I'm not eating enough kale? If you eat at Paul and Elizabeth's, there's always kale. There's the Caesar salad with kale, with romaine, or both. There's the vegetarian platter, vegetables sauteed to perfection, Including kale, or just order a side of sauteed greens. Some people treat kale like one of those good for you but no one really likes it things. Maybe those people have never been to Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant inside Thorns in Northampton. This is The Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
1: And we are back at his writer's block with Megan Zinn and her guest today, Archer Mayer, who's most recent uh, Joe Gunther novel is Fall Guy. Megan, I'm loving this interview.
4: Well, thanks. Um, and um, Fall Guy is available at bookstores near you, and it's available in hardcover, paperback, audio, and ebooks. And um, also, the book we were just discussing, um, Paradise City, is um, which takes place in Northampton, is on special on Amazon this week for an ebook. But anyway, um, so Archer. Um, You've been writing Joe Gunther for 30-plus years. What do you do to keep his character and the secondary characters fresh for yourself and your readers?
6: Well, I don't try to keep him uh, all that fresh. We are who we are. (laughs) And I I don't want to uh, run away from the familiarity that we all have with ourselves and those who are nearest and dearest. Uh, in exchange for coming up with some fruit loop weirdness that, you know, <laughs> Joe all of a sudden discovers how to levitate. That's um, weird. So I like the idea that in, when you start a Joe Gunther novel, there are certain parameters that fit like an old shoe.
3: Mm-hmm,
6: mm-hmm. One of them is going to be, ah, it's a Joe Gunther book, and we're going to, f- you know, bump across the following characters. We'll have Willie Kunkel. Right. We'll have, uh, you know, Sammy Martin's, mm-hmm. etc. And that's on purpose. And I think as it should be, it's like entering a room filled with friends at the end of a long day. Um, and I like that aspect about the books.
4: Yeah. That's the beauty uh, of
6: so a series don't like that. I yeah. their appeal. And one of the things is, is I try to write with my readers, not to mm. them.
4: Ah, that's great.
6: You know, they, they have creativity, they have lives, they have, uh, you know, curiosity and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I leave, a certain vagueness and openness in some of my books you, you just touched on the on a character who is sort of not followed up on at the tail end of the book perfect case in point of how people come in and out of our lives so uh i like to let the reader fill in the blanks mm-hmm. imagine you know when you read a book megan if you're really enjoying yourself you stop realizing you're turning pages, and right. there's a, like a movie in your head mm-hmm. going on. Uh, that's what I'm trying to achieve. I'm trying to get out of the way in a funny way.
4: Yeah, um, no, yeah that really makes don't sense. Want
6: people to know that Archer Bear is writing the book. I want to make them think that they're telling the book to themselves. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and following along with with Joe's story. Um, so yes. between your writing and your work as a death investigator and the things you've done in your life, you're deeply immersed in the darker side of uh, human experience. What do you do to balance that out to kind of keep life from getting too dark?
6: Oh, I'm, I'm you know, Margo's across the room from me, my wife. She <laughs> cracked up laughing. Obviously not well. Oh, God. I'm a pretty dark sure? guy. <laughs> You know, when I was a cop, I, I investigated sex crimes against kids. So what okay. do I do to pick me up? Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I guess I write murder mysteries. You know, but what a joyful thing to do. So the
4: murder mystery is the I, pick me up. I, uh, I don't know.
6: I'm, I'm one of those kind of guys that's well built for the dark side. Mm. So okay. expose me to murder suicides, to mothers who kill their children and themselves. I'm good with that. You know, I just uh, it's just fits my personality, and I could be compassionate to survivors. That's the reason mm. that I do a lot of what I do. Yeah. Um, but people are going to do nasty, stupid, self-destructive things all by themselves, and it's not my fault or my problem mm-hmm. that I happen to be there. It is my responsibility to bring closure, to yeah. bring empathy, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. bring support, to make them feel as good as they possibly can about what's happened to them, but that's not a burden. That's mm. a delight on my part. Well, I'm happy to leave people. Uh, so, you know, you got a dead guy on the floor and a lot of people crying. I'll be the one uh, making jokes and making them feel a little bit better. Obviously, tasteful and in-context <laughs> jokes, because what I'm trying to do is lighten the mood and make them, bring them back mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. where they before this tragedy occurred, and that's yeah. where everyone wants to go.
4: Yeah, yeah, and that's a gift um, to, to just be able to bring that to people. Um, so, getting back to the books, what do you what do you love about writing fiction?
6: It gives me a place to think. Hmm. Uh, I, it, 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 in answer to your previous question, mm-hmm. perhaps it's the place where I work out some of these darker aspects of my personality and of the world I've chosen to inhabit. Interesting. Uh, so writing about Joe Gunther and Willie and all the other guys allows me to work out the naughty, weird, mm-hmm. uh, naughty as in Titan, uh, you know, <laughs> K-N-O-T-T-Y. Parts of the human being.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, and we are not, generally or exclusively a happy species, Mm. uh, and Mm -hmm. I I need to look at that and figure out why. It helps me in my job, and uh, the writing therefore um, works in both directions. I can become a better writer, and I can become a better cop and or death investigator.
4: That's great. And I like the way that the two, well, not two sides, but the various sides of your life can interact and feed each other. Um, but
1: this is buzz. I'm really I'm really curious, Archer, about you were an historian. I, I have been a lawyer for 45 years. So what uh, I do when I write is research, right? We try to find out yeah. what happened and what is. I'm not really as in touch with that portion of myself, which is creative and said, sort of, uh, what's the past perfect? What could have happened? <laughs> could have happened, yeah, right? Go. What what could have happened? And you are able to do both—both both the research part of it and that creative, where might this go thing—which some of us lack like the ability to do. How do you blend those two things?
6: Well, I guess I'm not a doctrinaire. I think a lot mm. of people are sidetracked and, or derailed. By their own emotions, by uh, by their own baggage, by their own past experiences, and whatnot. Uh, and I try to, uh, I guess the, the, the cheap modern phrase for this is compartmentalize. <laughs> you know, makes you sound like, you know, I don't know, some head case, but, and maybe I am, but uh, I don't see the value of letting your own inner psyche and your and your problems. I don't see the value of seeing those get in your way as an observer mm-hmm. and as someone who could be helpful to your fellow human beings. So I guess i sort of turned my head around to that cause. And then it becomes fairly clear and simple, whether you're writing a book or whether you're trying to solve a criminal problem, uh, or just, you know, determine the death of a fellow human being, um, then it it becomes pretty linear. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're there to be useful, to be helpful, uh, and to get everyone to uh, a a place where they can move on or mm-hmm. at least yeah. develop.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so, what do you what do you read? What are you currently reading?
6: Well, I sure as hell don't read murder
4: mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised.
6: Yeah. No, I uh, I read uh, history books. Mm. I read science books. Right now I'm reading about uh, all the bugs in your house. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, there are about 200,000 of, uh-huh. of them, most of them microscopic. Uh, you're sitting on several right now. I'm sure.
4: Poor, poor fellas.
6: And God knows your microphone is teeming Oh, with yeah. Them. We
4: do spray them down. But... <laughs> So they're briefly, (laughs) briefly don't have bugs.
6: Um, They're they're healthy critters. They do us healthy things. Only uh, 10% of them are nasty. And uh, that's why when I buy soap, for example, I make sure that it's non antibacterial. Yeah, oh,
4: absolutely. Yeah,
6: because yeah, I want yeah. all that natural stuff to thrive and that makes me better uh, when I'm confronted with the nasty guys, I have better immunity.
4: <laughs> there you go. Well, my guest today has been um, novelist Archer Mayer and his latest book is Fall Guy, which came out in September. Um, and you can buy Archer's books um, at bookstores, of course, and in um, hardcover, paperback, audio and e-books. And Your independent Um, books. Your independent books. I I want to push the independent bookstores, but (laughs) um, uh, Paradise City, um, one of his books from about 10 years ago, I think, um, which is about Northampton, not surprisingly, with that name. um, And it's on special on Amazon this week. So um, you can also check it out that way. So thank you, Archer, for being here with us today.
6: Well, it's been great fun. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. Absolutely
1: delightful. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you. It was Writer's Block with Megan. Tomorrow, we are going to, uh, it's election day. It's election day, folks. So please go vote. We're going to start tomorrow with Tara Jacobs, who's running for governor's council in District 8 in Western Massachusetts. And then we're going to chat more about the election, Dan Torres and I. Everybody have a great evening.
0: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 1015 WHMP. You yeah. yes, I I you know, I... When it's happening here in the valley, we're talking about it.
5: For the first time in the history of the country and of the history of the United States, the Supreme Court has taken away a constitutional right. I would also describe this day as a day when women in the United States and people who can become pregnant have become London second local class. News and talk
0: for Northampton and the Valley 14, since 1950. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, Northampton Radio Group Station. It's